Jumping back into the series, breaking down Arizona State Sun Devils football schedule for the 2022 season. We're moving to the Stanford Cardinal game. What are my thoughts on that game? We're going to go over that in just a moment on this edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. Locked on Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, welcome back to this edition of the Locked on Sunnels podcast. My name is Richie Bradshaw. As always, oh my goodness, as always, I will be your guide for everything Arizona State Sunnels. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. If you want to check us out on the visual platform, wherever you do get those podcasts, so make sure you hit like and subscribe. And also turn on those notifications so you get an update every time we post new content, which is Monday through Friday. Stay in touch with everything Arizona State all season long by following me on Twitter at RichieBrads36 and follow the podcast while you're there as well at LO underscore Sun Devils. Hopping into today's conversation, we are taking a look at Arizona State and the Stanford Cardinal game. So this will come down in week seven or week eight, excuse me. This will come off of Arizona State's bye week following the game against Washington which if you missed the the breakdown I did of that, I did have uh, Arizona State beating, uh, not Stanford, we're going to talk about that in a second, beating Washington, which initially was not what I had predicted a couple months ago when I was first doing this, but ultimately kind of talked myself into it. So at this point in the season, I do have Arizona State at a pretty pretty impressive uh three and three season right now with a huge win over USC to give Arizona state its marquee victory of the year coming off a situation where you're riding a two game winning streak and you are, uh, what would that make you two and one in the conference at the moment, you end up going up to Stanford, California to take on the Cardinal and they have just been a complete shell of their former selves. It's, Almost really weird to think that this Stanford Cardinal team is still coached by David Shaw, who at one point in time was looking like college football royalty. He had compiled together a ridiculous amount of winning seasons in his first, uh, let's see, six seasons. He had he had five seasons of double-digit wins. He had gone to consecutive Rose Bowls. He had won two of three Rose Bowls in a five-year stretch or uh, four-year stretch, excuse me, two of three in a four-year stretch. He won a Fiesta Bowl too. I, the guy was just so accustomed to success, and that's just not been the case over the last few years. 2019, they were four and eight. 2020, in a COVID-shortened season, they were four and two. But last season, they dropped all the way down to three and nine, and there really isn't too much there to make you think that Stanford is going to be better this year. In fact, the only reason why you should not write Stanford off is because of David Shaw. David Shaw is one of the finest coaches in college football, regardless of the fact that Stanford is just not what they, what they were years ago. I think a lot of that might have to do with the transfer portal. This is another team that has been victimized by the NCAA transfer portal in recent years. And to my knowledge, I don't know if they have any 
like insane booster stuff that's going on with the program that would have helped them maintain stuff. But you also got to remember that Stanford is a very prestigious academic school, which already sets their standards a lot higher compared to the rest of college football. So Stanford's got very high expectations and they should, and they can put good football talent on the field. It just hasn't been that way, but I'm not willing to write them off anytime soon, no matter what. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not going into this year and saying Stanford's going to win the Pac-12. In fact, I feel like they're not even in the top six best teams in the Pac-12, and they definitely are towards the bottom dwellers, but I'm not writing them off. Looking at this Stanford team, there's there's just a lot of guys that are coming back, which is typical standard uh, Stanford fashion. Looking at the offensive side first, uh, they are returning their starting offensive line which is uh, including Walter Rouse at the left tackle spot, who was very impressive for them a year ago. The only problem is while they're a very good pass-blocking offensive line, they cannot run block to save their lives. They were, I, I think they were like fourth to last in college football in rushing yards per game with just about 86 yards a game. Here's the worst part. They lost their top two leading rushers from a year ago in uh, Nathaniel Pete and Austin Jones, both of them transferring uh, Pete down to USC, of course, and Austin Jones to Mizzou. But <laughs> between the two of them, they had combined for less than 800 rushing yards, and they're gone. Your next leading rusher, uh, rusher, EJ Smith, who for what it's worth is the son of NFL Hall of Famer Emmett Smith, is back for his junior season. Uh, he only toted the ball 26 times last year. 133 yards for 5.1 yards a pop and a touchdown, but that's going to be a lot of expectation for him to go from a guy who for his career had 26 carries, all of which came last year to potentially being the quote unquote bell cow for this team. The reason I put it in quotes is because I just don't think that Stanford is going to value running the football this year and they shouldn't instead. They got to look at their quarterback here, Tanner McKee, Everyone is very, very excited about McKee. They should be. McKee showed off some awesome strut last year. Remember, coming into the Arizona State game, he had thrown 11 touchdowns to zero interceptions. He was looking like one of the best quarterbacks in college football to the point where people are hyping him up again this year. And I've already seen first-round conversation for him for the 2023 draft, which I say let's slow down a minute. But... Nonetheless, I mean, Tanner McKee is, a, is an incredibly exciting player, and I think that he could definitely take that step forward. But I bring up that Arizona State game because when he played us, that's when it all fell apart for him. Over the final five games, he would throw four touchdowns against seven interceptions. Three of those interceptions came against Arizona State. They did not give up, give up a touchdown pass to him either. McKee was just absolutely torn apart the remainder of the year, Arizona state terrorized him and the rest of the PAC 12 teams also were teeing off on Stanford and they knew to take, take a, take their time getting after Tanner McKee and the rest of the offense would fall apart. So they're hoping that McKee can take that step forward. I think he's more than capable of doing it. Uh, last season, completing 65.4% of his passes, 2,327 yards, 15 touchdowns to get seven interceptions. I don't see any reason why he can't, uh, in a worst case scenario, replicate those numbers, he's going to be better. I feel very confident in that. I think Tanner McKee is going to take a really nice step forward this year. I'm not willing to call him a first round talent for the NFL draft, 
but I will say that I think he becomes one of the let's let's go five. I'll I'll go that high. I'll, one of the five best quarterbacks in the Pac-12. He's got the weapons too. So the the big guy he's got back, it literally big guy is Benjamin Urasek at the tight end spot. Urasek at 6'5, 232. Stanford has been a tight end factory in recent years. And Eurosec is just going to be another one of those guys coming off a season where he was second on the team in receptions, first on the team in yards, pretty convincingly with 658. He had a whopping 15.3 yards per reception as a tight end going into his true junior year. He's got some major hype this year. They also returned their number one receiver, Elijah Higgins. Higgins coming off a year in which he paced the team with receptions at 45, 500 yards and four touchdowns. They're both back. They're both big options. Higgins is also six foot three, two thirty-five. So McKee's going to have some really nice post-up guys in the end zone that he could potentially rely on to throw those bombs up and get some points in in the end zone. Uh, losing Austin Jones is going to hurt again. He was one of their running backs. He caught thirty-two passes a year ago. Uh, but EJ EJ Smith, the other running back we brought up, did manage to catch fifteen passes last year. He only turned it in the seventy-four yards, but at least you have a little bit of experience in that arena in, uh, in that arena now, knowing that you do have a running back who's comfortable catching the football. You hope he takes that step forward. Overall, with this offense, though, I think it's going to be a much better offense than it was last year, mainly because I anticipate Tanner McKee to take a really nice step forward this year with a good pass-blocking offensive line and some pretty darn good weapons to be throwing to. I don't really see a reason why Stanford can't yield one of the top half of, no, I won't go that high, but like one of the better Pac-12 offenses compared to, you know, teams like U of A or Colorado. And I just, I feel like they are not significantly better, but they should be. If Tanner McKee takes that step forward, this is going to be a much better Stanford Cardinal team than I think people are anticipating. Let's go ahead and hop into our first break. When we return, we're going to continue our conversation here on the Locked on Sun Levels podcast talking about Stanford football. But first, I got to give you guys a message from our friends over at the NHTSA. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction times are slowed way down when you're high. Not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If if you feel different, you drive different. Drive high and get a DUI. As always, guys, thank you so much for making the Locked on Sun Levels your first listen of the day. Remember, the podcast, as always, is free and available on all platforms. Back into our conversation, looking at the defensive side of the ball, another Huge fall from grace for Stanford. This was once a team that prided itself off of just ridiculously good defenses. They were like the revenge of the nerds. I remember was one of the uh, like uh, Sports Illustrated magazines that I had gotten when I had my subscriptions back in the day. And on the front was Shane Scove. Oh man, that that's like a like a major throwback name. Scove was so much fun, but they had. Just a great defense that was, they they were just going to be tougher than you. They didn't necessarily have the greatest athletes in the world. Don't get me wrong. They did have good athletes. 
but they weren't going to all beat you in a track race. They weren't all going to beat you on the bench press, but these kids, A, we're going to beat you in the wonder Lake, but B, they were, they were just, they had that determination and that grit to be better than you. They knew they were better than you and they played like it too. They're a outstanding defense forever. And that's just not the case anymore. They were so bad last year. In fact, they have actually completely altered their defense. They're no longer running that three, four scheme that they had been using for so long. They are going down to a four man front with uh, two linebackers. Now they, for what it's worth, are going to have to do a lot better than they were last year. There legitimately is almost nothing to highlight across the board last year. They had, I believe, 17 sacks. They only had six interceptions on the year. They were one of the worst teams in the league in uh, rushing yards allowed. They were giving up 235.7 yards per game, which was uh, not only last in the Pac-12, but it was 127th in all of college football. That's anything but good, guys. And Arizona State was one of those teams that had some wildly good success running the football on them. But they do like some of the guys that they have. They think that, uh, according to David Shaw, that they're a lot happier with some more bendy, twitchier athletes at linebacker looking at uh, Ricky Mizan and Lavani Dumuni at the linebacker spots, uh, Redshirt Sr. and Redshirt Jr., respectively. Defensive line, I know there's a couple guys that really stand out to them. They're going to be looking at their uh, Redshirt freshman uh, Aaron Armitage, who only played two games last year, still managed to record a sack, six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds. They, I, I've seen a lot of stuff about Armitage as someone who they think could really turn into a like, 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 like a special player for them, and potentially one of the bookend defensive ends playing across from uh, uh, Dalen Wade Perry, who in a much larger role last year as a sophomore was able to, or do I have him mixed up with someone? I might have him mixed up with someone. Uh, we will, who am I thinking of? Well, anyway, uh, Dale, uh, D- David Bailey, that's who I'm thinking of, not Wade Perry. Uh, uh, David Barry was a, or is he a freshman this year? Now, now I'm paranoid, but um, good Lord. Bailey, <laughs> excuse me while I mess up this podcast. Okay. Yeah. He he's a freshman this year. That's what I thought. So they like him going into this year. I totally confused him with Dalen Wade Barry. Excuse me for that. But regardless, they're, they're going to be needing a big season from Aaron Armitage. They're going to be hoping that some other guys can step up, whether that is the incoming freshman or it's some of the other guys on the defensive line. Uh, Stefan Heron is going into his senior season, I believe he is going to be one of the defensive ends for them. Uh, Anthony Anthony Franklin is a redshirt freshman that uh, OurLands.com currently has listed as one of the starters next to Tobin Phillips on the inside of the defensive line with Lance Kennelly rounding out the defensive line for them. Uh, looking in the secondary, I actually like the secondary uh, quite a bit, specifically Q Blue, uh, Q Blue Kelly who is coming off just a, a pretty masterful season at the cornerback spot, six foot one, one eighty six, 
Dude has some really nice ball hawking skills. Broke up 11 passes last year. Intercepted two balls and took one of them to the house while racking up 58 tackles. I thought he could have potentially been a guy who could have gone into the NFL draft, but he opted to come back to Stanford this year and potentially prove himself as a very, very good player for the team and somebody who can ultimately be one of the captains and one of the best players on the entire roster, let alone on the defensive side of the ball. Hugh Blue Kelly, a very, very good player. Uh, at the safety spots, they have Kendall Williamson and Jonathan McGill and Jimmy Wyrick as the nickelback and Evan Bonner as their other corner. All of these guys are well-established. Uh, Jimmy Wyrick is the youngest guy as a sophomore. Everybody else, Bonner, Williamson, McGill, and Kelly are all seniors. It's a very, very veteran roster. And that's one of the reasons why I think there's just no way they, they're going to have another year as bad as they were last year. I think this is definitely a team that's going to be in store for a rebound this year. Let's go ahead and hop into our final break. When we return, we're going to give my final overall thoughts on the Stanford Cardinal and whether or not I think the Arizona State Sun Devils can beat them. This is the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. One more time, thank you guys so much for making us your first listen of the day. Make sure that your second listen is the Locked on Pac-12 podcast hosted by my good friend Spencer McLaughlin. Locked on Pac-12, get all your news on the Conference of Champions in 30 minutes or less, Monday through Friday, just like Locked on Sun Devils, it's free and available on all platforms. Final thoughts. Stanford is going to be better than they were last year. That's not hard to do when you were a three-win team. But with that said, I don't, I don't see a scenario, or not so much a scenario, but I don't see a reason why they can't get back to a bowl-eligible team as a 500 squad there's a lot of veteran guys to like there you know coming off the worst year of david shaw's coaching career at stanford they're they're gonna want to really prove themselves i mean there's there are suddenly some major doubts about stanford's future in the pac-12 and you got to think that they're going to want to be proving people wrong and saying you know last year was the exception not the rule for this program and that's one of the reasons why they truthfully actually kind of scare me a little bit this year. If Tanner McKee takes that step forward as a passer, man, they're going to be they're going to be a pretty dang good team. They're not going to run the ball. They just you just call a spade a spade as a famous Richie Bradshaw has said on the Locked On Sun Devils podcast many and many times, but they should be able to pass the heck out of the football. Benjamin Eurosec I think is going to be in for one of the best seasons for a tight end in the country. I think you can throw him on that John Mackey Award watch list if he's not already on there. And Elijah Higgins, they're going to be hoping he can take a step forward as well. They have some other guys that they like there. Uh, Bryson Tremaine, Redshirt Sr., Michael Wilson, a senior, Bryson Farrell, a junior. It's just so much veteran guys at the top. And again, you just cannot overstate how important it is for guys to want to come back to a program, even coming off a three and nine season to want to come back anyways and say, Hey, we got something to prove here. That's a dangerous football team with a dangerous mentality. Defensively. I just don't see how they repeat that kind of poor performance. They're going to be better than they were. If they get that guy, Aaron Armitage to take a step forward, who's generating some serious hype. That would be huge for them. Uh, Q Blue Kelly is a stud. He is a very, very good corner. 
I feel like he could definitely be a first team all Pac-12 kind of player this year. I don't see any reason why he can't be the best player on this defense, maybe the best player on Stanford, and perhaps one of the best players in the Pac-12. If they can get consistent play from their front seven, especially against the run, now that you had to reshuffle everything because of how bad you were against the run last year, again, you're not a 3-4 defense anymore like Stanford had been running forever. They are now a four-man front who's going to be running a lot more nickels. So you're going to have twitchier, more athletic linebackers than you were the more traditional type, so to speak. So if they can, if they can mesh quickly, that's going to be huge for them. But that is another concern is how quick can Stanford's defense adjust to a new scheme? That's not easy to do ever. I'm not against it. I really like Stanford. Uh, special team wise, I, I can't really tell you too much about them. I know uh, they're, they're a punter. Ray Sanborn is a uh, senior and Joshua Cardi is a junior as the, as their, uh, as their primary kicker. Now, uh, Cardi last year, 10 of 15 on field goals, 27 of 27 on extra points. And Sanborn was averaging 43.3 yards per punt. So if, if that's something you care about, there's, there's that information for you. Overall, how does Arizona State match up? I think pretty good. You know, Arizona State is very good at running the football. This is a defense that can't stop the run. This should be a game that Arizona State should be able to waltz into and win. The problem, and this is where I'm not so sure about this game, the way I was a few weeks ago I was. I was very confident. Not anymore. This is a David Shaw coach team. I will tell you that if for some godforsaken reason he got fired from Stanford, that is the first guy I'm calling to come and take over for Arizona State. Top of the list, not even close. David Shaw is going to rebound this team. There are a lot of veteran, established, proven players that are going to want to come back. And Tanner McKee. If Tanner McKee is that guy, pal, this is going to be a much better football program than they were in 2021. Again, I'm not saying this is a Pac-12 contender. I'm not saying this is better than a six and six team. This is a much better team than three and nine. Arizona State's reeling right now. Like they're they've got a lot of figuring out to do. And while I am giving them a pretty nice benefit of the doubt by having them at four and two at this point in the year, I don't know that I can continue to 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 bet that they're just gonna keep getting away with win after win because for what it's worth these last two games I gave them USC and Washington those could easily be the losses like you have to go to UC uh, USC that's an upset in itself that I have predicted that is probably not going to come to pass Washington's not going to be easy either yeah you get them in Tempe but again just like Stanford they're going to be better than they were last year Stanford you have to go to California I think that's ultimately the deciding factor for me here is this is a road game. It's a team that should be better than they were last year. If, if Washington was in Seattle and Stanford was in Tempe, I would flip it. I think you split these two games, even though both of them are coming off pretty bad seasons for what their programs are used to doing. But I am unfortunately taking Stanford in this game, which has the Arizona state Sun Devils now sitting at a four and three record through the first eight weeks of the season. But that does wrap up this edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. As always, thank you guys so much for making us your first listen of the day. 
Remember, the podcast is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. If you want to check us out in a visual platform, wherever you do get those podcasts, though, hit that like and subscribe button. And also turn on notifications so you get an update whenever we post new content, which is Monday through Friday. If you want to stay in touch with everything Arizona State, make sure you follow me on Twitter at RichieBrats36. Follow the podcast while you're there as well at LO underscore Sun Devils. And until next time, guys, you keep it locked right here on Locked on Sun Devils.